electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. See, the stocks are indicated to open higher as the market anticipates the president-elect's stimulus proposal tonight and watches earnings from BlackRock and Delta in the meantime. Uh, jobless claims, though, do spike 965,000. Our roadmap begins with impeachment, transition, stimulus, and the continuing business backtrack from the Trump brand. Just what are the potential risks for Wall Street and the economy? Plus, we've got some vaccine optimism. The U.S. jabs top 10 million and early data suggests J&J's one-shot COVID vaccine is safe and generates promising immune response. And after a firm's monster debut yesterday, two more IPOs today, Poshmark and Petco. Get the peace. Both CEOs will join us this morning. Carl. Jim, let's start with some of the medical news uh, this morning. Obviously, J&J made a lot of headlines yesterday, as it looks like we are going to have a third entrant, as Scott Gottlieb said on Squawk. Hospitalizations down week on week for the first time since September. The Pope's got the vaccine, Dr. Ruth and Jim Cramer. Well, I got I was there for the Moderna. By the way, it's not like when you get to the tent for the vaccine, uh, you have a choice. Uh, You actually have to ask and they kind of said, well, it's it, it, it's the Moderna. I said, oh, thank you. Always like good to know that. The one thing I, I would point out, Carl, it's incredibly easy. And if the federal government were running this, I think that we would all we'd probably be five weeks away from doing it, uh, all getting it. And I say that because it takes a second and then you have to wait another five, six minutes. Uh, but it's all being done right now, I'd say, in a way that just can't scale. I, mean, I, I had a one o'clock appointment. Uh, then there was a one fifteen appointment, the person behind me. I bet you they did maybe... 80 people in a very nice Staten Island facility. I mean, 80, they got to be just ripping through this thing as if it's the military, but we are not there. Uh, it's still, it was positive. And you get a feeling after you've had it, uh, once you, and I'm, I remember I got another 20, I've got Feb 10 for my second one, where you just say, listen, I want to go to a bar. I want to go to a game. I, I, I want to travel. I mean, there's this elation. Everyone was elated. You know, they come in, they're very glum. It's like, how are you doing? And then you leave the tent. You're like, yes, I am ready. David, <laughs> life changes when you get this darn vaccine. Great. You feel like a human. I'm happy to hear that. I can't wait to get one myself. I've always considered you a human, or at least within the broad category that we call human, Jim. But I'm more happy of a to hear simulation, that you feel but I more like one that. again. I appreciate that. Um, you got to get your second dose. And at uh, 10 at 12 o'clock. How you feeling, by the way? Fine, right? You look good. Dynamite. Feel, feeling good. Never felt better. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, and uh, it's obviously a good sign that it is starting to be made available to more people. People who are in your age group, 
not even that advanced age group. Thank you. Um, at some point, Carl, perhaps even members of the media, I think, maybe in different states considered a special class. Not sure, but hopefully we'll get here as quickly as it can. Uh, I know you maybe that's puzzling, but I did hear that somewhere. Interesting. I mean, Jim, it takes us right to Delta and uh, what Ed Bastian is saying about the second half, a meaningful recovery, obviously contingent on uh, efficient vaccination. International, maybe another year, he said, but um, certainly bringing the cash burn, cutting it in half from uh, Q3 is a big story. I thought it was great. It is. It is about the vaccine. Uh, people want to travel, as he said. Uh, I think the order book is going to fill up, whether like just as it is for Norwegian Cruise, to use that metaphor. What, what's amazing, uh, Carl, is the savings rate is so high. There is a lot of discretionary income. Right now, it seems to be going to BlackRock. It seems to be going to SPACs. It seems to be going to any stock that has EV attached to it. But I think it eventually will go back to spend. And when it goes back to spend, I think it's going to go back to travel. Uh, so Ed was absolutely right when he talked about even just breaking even in the next quarter, which would be extraordinary. He must be thinking J&J has got 100 million vials. I don't know if that's right, but I do think that uh, if the federal government were more involved and it wasn't just left to the states, this could be done very, very quickly. It, we're, it's a bit of a travesty. Uh, nice people that helped me with the vaccine. I'm sure nice people everywhere, but people ill-equipped to do this. I mean, it's not what they were. It isn't what they signed up for, David. When you get to to get your vaccine, yeah. I think you're going to realize that you could just as soon give it as get it. Well, listen, I, yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, we're still how many people? We're still deaths or what? Over four thousand the last couple yeah. of days. I know. Uh, well, it's like a cardinal a refrigerator that's right there. Okay. The toughest part about it was I rolled my sleeve up, and they said I had to roll it up an inch further. In order to make it to work, I thought that was very valuable. Didn't know it was that precise. Okay. And then they said, here's your date, and you're coming back at this time. And I said, well, you know, I'm actually working during that period. And they were uh, incredulous. They said, you know, this is your date, and this is your time. Uh, there is uh, a kind of a out-of-body experience about the whole thing. It's kind of like, you know, when you were first grade, and they gave you that insurance. You, know, you could get the dental insurance, the insurance that as you leave and lose an eye, and it was your teacher that did it. I mean, these people did not sign on to give you a shot. Right. And right. That's not their job, and they're busy trying to figure out what their job is. I'd like it if the military were involved, because it could be their job. They could be ordered to learn, and I think they could do it five times faster. Even at the rates we're giving, uh, currently giving uh, uh, the vaccine, yeah, it's nowhere near what we need to be if we're going to get Close to, what, 100 million in the first 100 days of the Biden administration? Isn't that the the goal? The bottleneck, Carl, is the process of giving it to the states and then having the states have no money and then going to a tent. And uh, there's you, a couple other people. How you doing? I mean, the lack. I'm not saying it's lack of days ago. I'm just saying it just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, that's going to be a big piece of the puzzle tonight when we hear from the president-elect, his proposal, which... Uh, we think will include a lot of state and local and money for vaccine distribution. Jim, you mentioned herd immunity. Uh, Barclays has a note out today where they say, if you think of immunity as a combination of those who've had it and recovered and those who've gotten the vaccine, uh, they think 23 states have achieved 10 percent immunity. And that very dynamic, huge implications for the economy is what Larry Fink talked to the gang on Squawk this morning about. Take a listen. When we have herd immunity through vaccinations, 
we are going to see the industries that are, are that are still struggling, the industries um, around the aggregation and congregation of human beings, such as culture, such as uh, business conferences, uh, sporting events, and, and, and importantly, restaurants, and importantly, travel. That's when you're going to start seeing uh, in the it, most certainly by the fourth quarter, but maybe in the third quarter, uh, a, a real extended uh, economic uh, uh, rally in terms of the overall economies. All right, Jim. So if the if that light at the end of the tunnel starts to really get bright, has the market priced it in or is there more to go? No, the market has not priced it in. Not at all. I had Larry totally right. I think that uh, there'll be animal spirits of people that will override even what we've seen in the stock market. Obviously, there'll be sectors that do you want to buy Coca-Cola in that period? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some of the, uh, the companies that use their service use the so-called uh, soda jerk job, right, where you're, someone's pouring it at a restaurant. But you know what, Carl, I've got to tell you. And I've done that job, so I don't mean being a jerk, okay? Uh, I've got to tell you that Larry is precise in as we get more herd immunity, we will feel like we should do something with the money that we've been saving. Uh, that may actually cause some, some selling of the stock market, but not if we get another big stimulus check. I mean, this is the Murray men are going to ha- David, yeah. if that stimulus check comes to the Murray men of jobs, mm-hmm. then look out. It's going to be Virgin Galactic. Take it to 50. And, and or any other SPAC, GameStop. whether they price or when they announce their deal. To your point, uh, President-elect Biden going to speak, I think, tonight on uh, the plans for uh, potentially, as you're saying, that new relief package that could include as much as $2,000. Do you think, David, it should go to um, people who are out of work in need or do you think it just should go to everybody? I think it should go to people who are out of work in need. Was that a trick question? Well, in Washington, yeah. no. Uh, and then you've got the prospect, uh, Jim and Carl, as well, of course, for infrastructure spending again in the Biden administration if they can get things through. Now, whether what you can actually get through this Congress, this divided Congress, this Congress that's dealing with the with the impact, of course, of the invasion of where it works and mm-hmm. uh, and who, if anybody, may have actually helped in some way from the inside. I mean, it's just hard to imagine they're going to get much of anything done, but perhaps they will. One can only uh, hope that will be the case. Well, Carl, what I think what we're all looking for is, is something that unites us. I don't know how you do that. But I think that if you get any sort of feeling which says that Washington is not going to implode and you get herd immunity, then I'm not saying happy days are here again. But maybe it could be a little like 2018. I mean, I, I think you'll still wear a mask at a lot of places, except for these states that don't seem to like Oklahoma. I don't think it's a mandate. But. Things will get somewhat back to normal, but most importantly, people will absolutely do something as opposed to feeling to do nothing. And it'll be the spring. Right. Uh, I think it'll be time. I, Carl, I think it's going to be a time of, of, of happiness. <laughs> it would be a long time coming, Jim. There's no doubt about that. Of course, a big part of that is lowering the overall temperature, as you said, in the country. To that end, the FAA is out with a new order cracking down on unruly passengers. Our Phil LeBeau has more on that this morning. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Carl. And uh, that FAA zero tolerance immediate order that was issued yesterday came from the desk of Steve Dixon, administrator for the Federal Aviation Administration. He joins us uh, live this morning to discuss what they are actually seeing in terms of unruly passengers. Steve, before we talk about the zero tolerance order that you put out in terms of uh, arresting and prosecuting these people. 
What are you seeing right now? What are you hearing back from airlines about unruly passengers? Well, good morning, Phil. It's a pleasure to be with you, and uh, and uh, thanks for the opportunity uh, this morning. Uh, from the uh, really over the last uh, few days, uh, we have seen um, a disturbing increase in onboard incidents where airline passengers have disrupted flights. Uh, you know, with their uh, with their behavior, these incidents have stemmed uh, in some cases from refusal to follow uh, airline policies on face coverings. And also uh, we saw a, a trend after the a breach of the Capitol last week. When you look at this, and we talked with Ed Bastian, the CEO of Delta this morning, he said, look, 99% of the passengers, they behave themselves. But from what you're hearing, um, how surprised are you that you're seeing the level of unruliness that you are? Uh, well, again, uh, you know, uh, disruptions on flights occur from time to time, and uh, and there are longstanding policies uh, for dealing with those. And uh, uh, traditionally, uh, the FAA has a longstanding policy of taking action against passengers who disrupt or threaten the safety of the flight. This is about uh, flight safety, and uh, and any any time I see, any time we see uh, a trend like this, we need to take action because. Uh, traveling on a commercial airline in the United States is is the safest form of travel in human history, and I want to make sure it stays that way. Real quick, real quick, Steve. In the past, you would say to uh, passengers or the airlines and the crews would say to passengers, "Look, we're going to we're going to try to work this out." Wouldn't immediately uh, arrest, and it wouldn't immediately be uh, a prosecution pursued. That's changing now with this new policy, correct? That's right, Phil. That's what we mean by a zero tolerance policy. Uh, in the past. Uh, we might have adjudicated certain of these unruly passenger cases with counseling or warnings. Uh, but uh, with this order yes, that I signed yesterday afternoon, uh, I'm telling my inspectors, I'm telling my attorneys in the FA Chief Counsel Office that we need to expedite uh, gathering the facts on all of these, and we're going to take immediate enforcement action uh, in appropriate situations. Steve Dixon, administrator for the FAA, joining us first on CNBC this morning. Steve, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Carl, this is, you know, it's not very often that you get this type of a, an immediate order that comes out of, uh, or David, an immediate order that comes out of the FAA, but this is some indication of how serious they are about cracking down on what they're seeing with people acting up on these flights and in the airports. Yeah, uh, Phil, uh, interesting, and appreciate you bringing that to us. Thank you. Uh, Phil LeBeau. Uh, guys, wanted to quickly uh, break a little news here on a, on, a, on a deal that I mentioned last Friday, a deal that actually appeared to be falling apart at the time. The Acacia Communications, you may recall, uh, Cisco, of course, in a deal to acquire that company at 70 bucks a share. They've just entered a new deal uh, to acquire Acacia at $115 a share, I can tell you, according to people familiar with the situation. That is going to be announced momentarily, is my understanding, uh, should be announced prior to the open of trading this morning. This has been a fascinating situation. Remember, it was on Friday when I disjointedly tried to explain what actually had occurred. They had a $70 deal. Uh, they did not get the approval they needed from the antitrust regulator in China in time under the expiration of the merger agreement. And because of that, Acacia said, we're walking. Why? Well, the group that it's a part of had risen dramatically. Its own value had risen dramatically. And it appeared to have the ability to walk. 
Cisco said, no, you can't do that. We're going to sue you and take you to court because we feel like we actually did get potential approval. By the way, that was very much unclear. And in fact, I don't think that that was the case. They did not get approval from SAMR, the Chinese antitrust regulator. What has occurred as a result? Well, the fact that Cisco really wanted to own this is what's occurred here. Uh, And you could argue that they had some missteps. Uh, because it would have probably been possible to have renegotiated this prior to the expiration of the merger agreement at a lower price. Uh, Acacia was a strange situation because it moved up dramatically when the deal appeared to be breaking apart, which typically one does not see. And in fact, one doesn't typically see the company being acquired, the one that is actually exiting said deal. All that being the case, we can now tell you they're coming back. 115 is going to be the new price which, Jim, goes to the point, of course, again, in terms of valuation here that we've seen, broadly speaking, in the chip sector. Remember, this was announced back in July of 2019, this deal. So it has moved up dramatically, and now shareholders, obviously, are going to be quite pleased that, in fact, they were in a position to get a new deal because the Chinese took so long to actually approve it, which, by the way, they still haven't received, as far as I'm aware. David, all I can say is that's probably right. It's the right... uh rate versus what this group has done. I don't think Chuck Robbins is making a mistake. The the group is red hot and it's necessary. Cisco needs this. Cisco's got to grow a little faster. Acacia's a really good company. Uh, That's a great story because I think a lot of people felt it was dead and Cisco stock did not act well after uh, they said it was dead. Yeah, and I think your your point is the key one. They really apparently needed it because if they didn't, they would have continued to go to court, see what they could work out and or walk away. They chose not to. And obviously, it also goes to the potential strength or weakness of their case. And again, my understanding in the interregnum between reporting on this on Friday and today is they did not. You know, they used these words that they got. Uh, Cisco's submission was told to be said to be sufficient to address the relative competition concerns from Samra. But that wasn't approval. And in fact, it's my understanding that they may very well have known that that was not the case. Uh, and so you got a new deal. Uh, Carl did want to bring that to people again. I don't believe the release is out, but my expectation is it should be out shortly. Over to you. All right. All right. Uh, We'll keep an eye on that, David. Uh, Google Fitbit just closed. We got some other M&A news there. Got some calls on AMD and Intel. Of course, uh, Tesla today. Uh, We'll watch uh, Twitter and Snap. We'll explain what happened with GameStop. Futures are green. We're back in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey addressing the ban on the president in a series of tweets last night. He said he did not celebrate or feel pride in having to ban the president from Twitter. He said the decision came down to public safety and that offline harm as a result of online speech is demonstrably real. He said the ban was a failure on Twitter's part to promote healthy conversation. Uh, Jim, this morning, some of the conversations about Snap also banning the president as of the 20th and why the model there is much different and, and why they have not become a source of uh, disinformation. Yeah, look, I, I think that it's, you go back, there's a real charm offensive going on by Facebook saying that they were well aware of this. 
people, I think, kind of fell in line with Facebook. Uh, anytime you get social media being used to be able to create uh, uh, basically violence, uh, I think that all these companies have to play a role. I thought Dorsey was good yesterday. I, I think that their you know, snap kind of completes the circle but it is not the way you get a protest done. David, you know, if you want to try to raid the Capitol, your first instinct is to not put a funny face on the Capitol building or Washington. No. But it does speak, of course, as we've said many times, the power of these platforms. They are the communication platforms of the current moment. Yes. Uh, this is no longer uh, the fact where uh, the networks, which were um, under the fairness doctrine because they were using public airwaves, that's... That's doesn't matter anymore. Right. I mean, these no. are the communication platforms that matter uh, and they're private companies and they're making their own decisions. Uh, and this will continue to be a question that we ask because you do wonder, OK, that makes sense. That makes sense. But it's a it's a fine balance. Are you putting troop ship uh, schedules on? The original issue. Right. Do you want to. Right. Put the troops at schedule. I mean, did right. that's what are that's what they're doing. It doesn't matter. I mean, if it's on Facebook and this is a classic case of it, World War One, when you send a, a troop ship over and you put the when it was going, obviously you, you run the risk of killing all the the, the all, everyone on board. Uh, and I think that that's kind of that's been the doctrine for newspapers. Suddenly we've got a doctrine for a much easier way to get something going. And it was the capital a troop ship. I think so. Yeah. Hey, we got very few uh, policemen. Let's go to work. I know. It, it, Carl, it, listen, we talked about it many times. We will continue to the changing role of the corporation overall in terms of what they're willing to take on, what a CEO is being pushed by employees perhaps to enter into. It's a very different world over these last four years, in part because of the void caused by the fact that the, uh, the government was not getting involved in certain areas that companies were getting involved in. But this is a theme that we'll be revisiting many times. Uh, weeks, months, and years ahead. Yeah, no, the role of the corporation and the CEO uh, changing right before our eyes, David, there's no doubt. When we come back, uh, Petco coming back to the public markets for the first time in a decade, ticker symbol WOOF. The CEO is going to join us to discuss the IPO later this hour. Stay with us. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. All right, we're going to do a mad dash, and then we'll take you right to the opening bell from there. Jim. One of my absolute favorite stocks has been Penn National Gaming. It's been terrific. Yes, affiliated with Barstool. That was the uh, spark for it to go up. 
uh, because uh, online gambling is big. Uh, Loop Capital says uh, too many red flags, downgrades it to a sell, talks about sudden departure of the CFO, uh, increased ownership by faster money. Well, that's certainly the case, uh, lowering estimates. But they say, look, it hasn't really been able to expand. It's really in Pennsylvania. Uh, well, uh, guess what? Next week, they're going to start in Michigan. Uh, I don't know if this is well-timed, because if Michigan is a home run and there's immediate, a lot of betting uh, going on into the uh, Super Bowl, uh, well, this will be an ill-timed, I would say it's an ill-advised sell if Michigan cranks up and Barstool leads. Barstool is an amazing betting site, and you know, David, who Barstool is uh, the most exciting figure, perhaps, in uh, on the web right now. That's true. Well, there was a period of time uh, where you were saying his name every day, but you don't do that any longer. David Portnoy. Not ah, there it is. There well, it is. Well, I, listen, we talked. I mean, site. It's really. We've talked about sports betting and gaming, though, well beyond this. I mean, uh, you know, look no further than Barry Diller and what I see is done with MGM, and of course MGM's move on that UK company. Uh, this right. is seen to be the growth area for so many of these companies, and. As opposed to gaming, sports betting is seen as something that will pass in most state legislatures. Yeah, well, David, that's between Robin Hood and uh, David Portnoy. The Murray men will go with Portnoy when it comes to the Super Bowl. Got it. They'll be betting on, not on SPACs, David. They'll be betting on Green Bay. Oh, so you've already made a prediction. Yeah, absolutely. I see. Yeah, I, I like Green Bay's PE here. Uh, its price to sales is good, too. It's undervalued versus Snowflake. This is going to be busy between uh, the, between the game and hosting Jeopardy, guys. Uh, Jim, we mentioned Petco before the break. Uh, Forty-eight million shares at eighteen. That's above the range of fourteen to seventeen. We know how you feel about uh, stocks and pets and the food, the pet food business. Woof. Uh, I think that this is going to be fourteen to fifteen times oversubscribed. Should open up gigantically, uh, and why not? Uh, you've got a CEO who is, uh, did great things at HP. They loved him. And before that, was, did great things at PepsiCo. Uh, Ron is, I think, one of those people who knows how to digitize it. It was very interesting. They, they got a tech guy who also had consumer experience. He's turned this company around a couple of, a couple of years. I think it's a great investment. Uh, and not just because I'm a rescue dog guy. By the way, I will ask him about what they're doing for, for uh, rescue dogs for, uh, to save the, uh, keep dogs out of the kill center because he cares passionately about dogs. He's got a yellow lab, okay? I, 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 I'll trade him. I, I got a mutt. He's got a yellow lab. I'll take his yellow lab. They're fun. They really are. Anyway, good stock. David, what's, work. What's, your, what's your breed? What's oh, the breed of your uh, dog, David? A, a, he's a Cocker Spaniel Poodle. Did you save him from a kill center? Or did you uh, actually? Uh, no, no, we had him. We had him made for us. I'll yes. get really because I'll get you one from a kill center in Tennessee. <laughs> no, but he, you know, obviously he's the greatest dog of all time. So really, you can't do it. Yeah. Well, Nvidia was yeah. the greatest second, dog of all second time. To, <laughs> second to my uh, long hair chihuahua guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love. There's Scoop, the opening man. bell and the. Uh, S&P 500, 3809 here at the Big Board American Century Investments ETFs doing the honors at the NASDAQ. It is Petco Health and Wellness celebrating that IPO. And as you heard, we'll talk to Ron Coglin uh, later on this half hour. David, um, on the heels of your uh, scoop on Intel yesterday, I've lost count of the upgrades, but Needham, Morgan Stanley, Cowan, uh, just a few of them with targets in the 70 range. Yeah, I was going through them as well. Uh, as you say, Morgan Stanley, uh, light at the end of the tunnel upgrading, Barclays, 
uh, some uh, maintaining their neutral, the leaning more positive, uh, I think, on IT hardware, and as you point out as well, BMO. Yeah, uh, stock's up again. Uh, now, it did back off a bit, Jim, from it had been up as much as 12% on the news of Gelsinger. I don't know what you found between uh, in the 24 hours since we first broke that news or what your expectations are, but certainly a lot of the analysts and investors are quite enthused by the prospect of him running Intel, but also point out that the decisions he's going to make early in his tenure are not going to be uh, seen in terms of at least what occurs for years to come. Yeah, that, look, I think that these analysts are all getting ahead of themselves. I mean, I, look, I've seen analysts say because of this, AMD is going to peak in 2022. Uh, when we speak to Lisa Sue, I think she would tell you you need about a four or five year roadmap to that. She laid her out, her roadmap out for four or five years when she told me at, at uh, five what could happen. So I think the idea that Pat Gelsinger just uh, turned a switch uh, is wrong. I think the biggest decision he's going to have to make is do you go with the Taiwan semi-asset light business or do you start building new plants? Uh, the Taiwan semi, by the way, unbelievable quarter and they're spending 50% more for CapEx to alleviate the chip shortage that is nationwide and really hurting the automakers. I, I think that this is a good choice. I, look, I, I think that the issue, David, was do you blow Intel up and get someone radical, okay, or do you go with someone who really understands chips, who's very well liked, and the customers like? And they took that ladder, and I think it's good. Is it good to take Intel to 60 on it? Well, uh, I don't know. I, mean, I think that it's okay. Right. Well, he's going to have to make a lot of decisions Yes, pretty quickly. I mean, just given the... The cycle itself and what was in front of Swan. And I don't, you know, I don't know how you write in terms of how much do I outsource, how much do I keep right. in. Then there's this question, of course, of national champions, which was a part of the thesis of Mr. Loeb at third point um, and potentially a benefit and a, and a tailwind for the company. If it is viewed in that sense as a national champion, as we compete with the likes of China, but certainly even Taiwan, where right. we don't want to be solely reliant on companies such as Taiwan Semi or Samsung in Korea. Yeah, I have said that Taiwan Semi is probably the most important strategic company right now in the world, meaning that they, if China decides to make a move on Taiwan, and anything's possible, it's a military-based country down yeah. too, uh, this would be a disaster for America because Taiwan Semi is the jewel. It used to be Intel. Now, David, it's TSM. Right. So if Gelsinger, Carl, can bring back that idea of Intel being the jewel, that certainly would be seen as beneficial overall for the national security of the country. Amazing. Uh, there's no doubt about that, Jim uh, and David. Uh, so many headlines regarding uh, the U.S.-China relationship. Jim, I don't know if you saw the uh, U.S. Chamber of Commerce yesterday basically saying uh, the damage, talking about the damage done, in their view, to American manufacturing and agriculture as a result of the tariffs uh, that the Trump administration had put on. Then there were these headlines that the U.S. is going to allow us all to invest in Baba and Baidu and Tencent after all. Yeah, look, I think that there's, look, we're 10 days away from what I think is going to be, well, fewer days, uh, uh, a sense of whether we're going to be championing the rights of the people in, you know, in, in Hong Kong uh, to be democratic, uh, or we, we champion the idea of them not ruining our industrial base. And, and I think that, that Biden's going to go for the former, uh, asked to go with our allies. Now, the allies rely heavily on business from, from China and have been reluctant to crack, crack the whip. So I think that Bob is a buy. 
I think you got to get in, Baba. Ever since uh, David found Jack Ma, <laughs> the stock's been up. David, that was one of the greatest calls. I mean, look, think about you. You got the Intel, you did the Acacia, and you yeah. found Jack Ma. I found him. Listen, I know it's funny, though, watching the continued chatter about where is Jack Ma. Uh, we know where he is. Now, again, I, you know, we also know that he has been muzzled. Uh, and so that is the case. So there are plenty of people who are right and asking, well, where is he in the sense of he's no longer taking that role that he did, at least in terms of one of the more outspoken members of, of uh, the corporate elite in China, uh, the best known businessman in China. Um, and, and for now, he's going to, as we said, lay low. But there's no change in that. No change, uh, Jim. In terms of his status at this point, he has not been detained. He has not been taken away to a secret location. Again, that is the latest information that I have. But it doesn't mean that people won't continue to want to believe that somehow. No, and Carl, there was a, an article today in the paper about how uh, China is the best performing economy in the world. And what are they buying? You know, they're buying cars. They're buying luxury goods. Uh, and they're buying everything that's on Alibaba. So I mean, you're getting a rare opportunity. Jack Ma being muzzled. And Jeff Bezos doesn't say anything. Jack Ma doesn't say anything. Uh, Bezos presumably is in the Seattle area. And uh, uh, Jack Ma is in an undisclosed location only known to, to my partner, to our partner, uh, David Faber. And I guess David, I mean, Give I don't know. Best, David. Don't, David, if you yeah. put him on I'm Facebook not, right now, you yeah. know what? Yeah. I'm going to censor you. Yeah, I hope that's not the case. And I look forward to sitting down with him and doing an interview at some point as well. Uh, could be a little while. Guys, uh, uh, what's a day without mentioning SPAC? So I want to get to a couple. You know, Petco, we're going to have the CEO coming on. They're pricing. Don't forget, though, Toma Brava also priced a $900 million SPAC. I heard it's 13 times oversubscribed. Can you imagine that? 13 times. It's not like they got a business model. They got nothing. They just, and there's Churchill, I want to get to that in a minute, but, you know, that's where we stand right now, where people are just willing to pay up, let me just get in. Now, in this case, those guys are fairly well thought of, and so there is an expectation that they're going to do a good deal. Speaking of deals, you saw Churchill, we just brought that up. That was the second largest back of all time in terms of what they raised, second only to Ackman's. Look at the move that that has made. This is on that Bloomberg story uh, from last week. It said they were reportedly in talks with Lucid. Remember, Lucid, Lucid yeah. is that uh, EV maker uh, out of Saudi Arabia, really, or at least backed by the Saudis, uh, making incredibly expensive cars. Um, I went through them here. I don't, of course, I can't find it. But, uh, you know, up to 150000 if not more, in terms of their cost. They do charge more quickly. I, very much unclear, though, at this point, whether they're going to reach a deal. That's kind of what I wanted to share here. Um, it's the hottest stock in the market. Yeah, I, I mean, right Michael Klein, uh, Andrew Liveris involved, uh, the Saudis, he advised uh, both of them uh, in his other role as a longtime banker. So, yes, uh, no doubt there are relationships there. But getting to a deal here where uh, it would be a, a, a transaction through which they would use Churchill for to go public at Lucid. Uh, what I'm hearing is don't necessarily jump to conclusions at this point based on that Bloomberg story from last week. Um, and I'm going to continue to follow really? that, and we'll see where that stands. Yeah, it's not. No way it, it, is it a done deal. Stock, no way. The stock's up huge on that. Huge, and that's why I mention it. The stock is up enormously, uh, Jim. At I this said point. To, to buy on lighting round last night because I thought that story was spot on and loose. Well, uh, you know, uh, again, just because you're talking doesn't mean that you're going to get a deal done. By the way, they do have three cars coming to market: the Air Grand Touring this summer, 131,000. Uh, the Air Touring, late 2021, 87,000, and the Air Pure, 
at 69,000 early 2022, uh, Carl. Hmm. By the way, the Acacia deal's out, Carl. We can tell people 115, as we told them. Uh, Cisco uh, renegotiating a transaction that had it buying it originally at 70, but they didn't get the Chinese antitrust approval in a timely manner. Now it costs them 115. Over to you. All right, guys. Uh, all time high for the Russell, all time high for the Dow. Uh, more Fed speak today, including Powell at 1230. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Good morning, Carl. Yes, we are looking at some extremes in the equity markets, and we are in somewhat of a holding pattern on interest rates. They're not as guns hot as they were. We've broken that streak of five sessions of higher yields, lower prices, but we are consolidating, not giving a lot of it back. Remember, we settled at 92 basis points last year. Here we sit at 110. We've been as high as 118, 119 intraday on the yield charts. Let's look at an intraday of 10s. What you can see is yields were already dropping, moving into the 830 Eastern. Look at our numbers where we did see some pops in the initial continuing claims. There are some seasonal issues. There's implementation of a new stimulus program on job uh, for more money for people that are, of course, out of work. And all these things kind of play havoc with the numbers a bit, not to mention it's a new year. And we saw import-export prices on a month-over-month basis up more than expected. On a year-over-year basis, it trims off a bit. And that's an interesting dynamic to pay attention to, especially as we start moving our way through the vaccination period of COVID. Now, when we look at what's going on quickly with the Yields over three days, you can see we've dropped. If you look at three days of boon yields, you can see they've dropped. Don't use percentages, but they're down 22% from minus 46 to minus 56. And if you look at Italian 10s, their yields are at one and a half month highs. If you put the two together on a one month chart, we're moving in different directions. There's credit differentiation in Europe. You want to pay attention to that. And finally, the dollar index. Well, if you look at the lows on the cycle from the sixth, you can see we finally have over a penny cushion from that 89.20 intraday low. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you very much. When we come back, the CEO of Petco on his company's IPO. In the meantime, this morning, some uh, catnip for fans of Dow Theory as the industrials and the transports have record highs. We're back in a minute. Petco is returning to the public markets, pricing above the expected range. I think the stock's going to go much higher than where it's being priced. CEO Ron Coughlin joins us now, first on uh, CNBC, first everywhere. Okay, so, uh, Ron, I want to ask you, this company, when it went private, some people thought it was a puppy mill. Some people thought it was inefficient. Others felt that it couldn't survive versus online. Could you please tell me about what this company looks like now versus then? Hi, Jim. Great great to be here. Uh, Petco is a radically transformed company. We're focused first on improving lives, improving lives of pets, pet parents, and the folks that work at Petco. And we are the only end-to-end ecosystem of pet, pet uh, services and products, whether you're looking to be groomed, trained, have veterinary services, or have the best foods in the world, Petco is the only one can, that can partner with a pet parent and provide all of those things. What the, uh, is a guy who did a remarkable job at HP uh, doing running a uh, pet retailer. 
Well, first of all, uh, HP, and it's my technology background, has really helped us. In the last 18 months, we've rolled out buy online, pick up in store, ship from store, curbside, same day delivery, a world-class app. And the more technology we've laid down, the faster our digital business has grown. And at this point, let's take uh, same day delivery. Our same-day delivery is now 30% of our e-commerce orders, and what's amazing is it's faster to the customer and lower cost than our digital-only competitors. Well, let's talk about that. Chewy's been one of the most remarkable uh, stocks of the era. Uh, it's got a $46 billion valuation. Could you go head-to-head with the Chewy? So first, if you take a look at the market, there's about 39% of the market that are omni-channel customers. They want to shop digitally, but as well in brick and mortar. And we are the solution for those customers. There's another 20 plus customers that are digital only. And with the advantage I talked about, whether it's curbside, whether it is same day delivery, we have structural advantage that allow us to compete. We picked up a million customers in quarter three, and that is very competitive with what they did. When I uh, get a pet and I buy, uh, I don't buy, I get it from us, before they're euthanized. What I want is full service. I don't want just food. I want a vet. I want uh, a healthcare company. I think that this company looks like that opportunity. 50% of customers are just like you. They want a partner to help ensure the health and wellness of their pet, and they want all of it, and we're the only ones. We're actually doing the fastest vet uh, rollout in history. We went from 15 to 105 in the last 18 months. But here is the really special part that ties to our mission. 70% of pets don't get the care they need because of affordability. We're rolling out the first affordable vet care network in the world. And we're very proud of it. And it is going extremely, extremely well. And when we put a vet in a location, guess what happens? Our center store merchandise sales go up 4%. So it's a win for the pet and a win for the business. I had Kristen Peck on last night on Mad Money. She's the excellent CEO of Zoetis. She was telling me the tailwind, uh, that's a healthcare company, uh, the tailwind from the pandemic is extraordinary. People want pets more than ever. Are you seeing that? Well, first of all, the projection is 7% growth, uh, CAGR, for years to come. There are 3.3 million new pets in 2020, and we think the same thing will happen in the first half of 21 because people are uh, at home, they're a little depressed, and they want a bundle of joy in their life. So we're going to help feed those pets, we're going to help train those pets, groom those pets, and vaccinate those pets. But yeah, I think it's actually good for America and our souls, and it's good for uh, Petco. Ron, things have changed dramatically since Petco was public last, and including what we call ESG on Wall Street. You're familiar with it. Uh, what is Petco doing for uh, animals that would unfortunately be killed uh, if they don't find a home? Yeah, um, I will tell you this is one of the most both disturbing and satisfying parts of my job. There, are, there is still euthanasia in America, and there does not have to be. We are on an absolute mission to eliminate euthanasia. Every single year, we help fund shelters that avoid euthanasia for 400,000 pets. In addition to that, we help fund programs like LSU's oncology research, because cancer is the number one killer of pets. So our mission is improving lives of pets, pet parents, 
Uh, and uh, if you look at what we're doing, it's really, really meaningful. The other thing we did was we got rid of artificial ingredients. We're the only major retailer to do that. And then earlier this year, we got rid of shock collars because they cause pain and fear. And pets don't deserve pain and fear. They deserve love. Thank you for doing that. Uh, some people are saying, Jim, before you fall in love with this company, you know, they're not making any money. I, I look at EBITDA, but the fact is some people want to see right now what you are times earnings. What do we say? Yeah, we, we're on a growth trajectory. Um, we, were, we were growing. Uh, we, in 2018, the business was shaky. We got back to 2.6% growth in Q4, 4.4% growth in 19. We were 6% before COVID, and, we, and we've been double digit in COVID. Uh, and we're showing good conversion to profit, and there'll be more to come in the future. So watch the space. The way I think that you know, the way you can make the most money, actually, I think is a private label. I just want, as you mentioned, I want a clean label. I actually like an American flag if I can get it because I don't want Chinese uh, dog food. But uh, how's the profitability on your own brands? First of all, we have a billion-dollar owned brand business, so it's very strong, and it's a core capability of this company. And secondly, our profit is 10 points above vendor brands. But our vendors are really, really important. We partner like no other company with vendors. We have exclusive with vendors. We have great new products we're rolling out, like Just Food for Dogs, which is a human-grade food, which is an absolute game-changer for the health of pets. Um, so we're very happy with our portfolio. Roughly 70% of our portfolio you can't get at other places, which gives us both uniqueness and insulation for, versus competitors, both online and mass. Well, Ron, thank you. The humanization of pets is one of the great secular themes of this time. I, and I think that Petco is going to be a great way to play it. Ron Coughlin, CEO, Petco. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Back to you, Carl. All right, Jim, busy week on the IPO front. We had, of course, uh, Affirm, uh, Petco, and Poshmark making its public debut as well, selling $6.6 million at 42. That's above the range. We'll talk to the CEO a little bit later on this morning on Squawk Alley. Record highs for the Dow. We're back in a minute. Got some enthusiasm around the chips this morning as uh, Taiwan Semi has a beat and a raise. Also upping its CapEx guidance. Take a look at the NASDAQ 100 gainers. Virtually all chip-related except for Zoom Video up 3-3. We're back in a moment. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. You know, David earlier killed Churchill. Untrue, but that's what they're saying on the web. Now I'm going to report what J.P. Morgan did. They rated plug power as a neutral. Again, heresy. This has been one of the greatest rides I've ever seen. They're actually talking about the possibility that it may be fully valued. This is just outrageous. The stock is moving and these J.P. Morgan guys come out and kill it. David? What? It's a travesty. It's a travesty. Remember Palantir yesterday, the city analyst said oh. 15. You know what the stock did? Went up. Went up. Yeah, it went the up. The Reddit people like it. Yeah. Murray men, Reddit, they, they, uh, Carl, we know who is powerful in the street. It's Reddit first, Portnoy second. Uh, I don't know, the guy who's got GameStop, the short squeeze third. And then maybe you. No. Yeah, David. maybe you come in fourth, no, David. I don't know. No. Um, guys, you know, uh, in a little time we have left here before, uh, before the 10, um, 
Worth mentioning, uh, Jim, Pepsi. I'm, I'm sure you saw this. You cover the company closely. And, Carl, we were talking about it earlier just in, in, in the broader strokes in terms of the the, uh, the uh, actions taken by corporations over these last few years, filling a void to a certain extent left uh, by the fact that the government didn't. And climate certainly has been one of the keys. Try and get those ESG ratings as high as you can. Did want to note that Pepsi doubled its climate goal and is now seeking net zero emissions by 2040. Um, and there you can see it reducing greenhouse gas emissions across direct operations by 75 percent over the next nine years. Uh, and a number of other initiatives. They want to take 26 million metric tons of GHG emissions out, equivalent to more than 5 million cars off the road. Um, and, you know, Jim, what's interesting is it's not just the company, but then it has the impact on their suppliers and on their entire supply chain in terms of forcing those similar kinds of actions. NGA. Do you buy NGA, Northern Genesis, uh, merging uh, with Lion? They, they make delivery trucks. They've got a, a relationship with PepsiCo. Remember, the big PepsiCo issue for climate goal are the trucks. Right. The trucks that bring it. They, can, they are going to be one of the largest customers of EV trucks. So I'm not killing EV. I'm saluting it. Carl, EV is here to stay. NGA is the way to play it. Yeah. Uh, Brian Deese, the, the new Cudlow, the new National Economic Council director yesterday, said that the center of Biden's uh, economic uh, theory will be putting the climate crisis at the center of creating jobs. Uh, so this is all uh, of a piece, so to speak. Wow. Uh, Jim, center. how about tonight? Jeez, I've got to tell you, that is amazing because EV just is so hot, red hot. I've got Signet, which is I'll give my OK, uh, Zales. Gina uh, Drosos has done one of the greatest turnarounds in history. Doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, so I'm talking about it. Look at that stock. Good numbers this morning. SIG. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I She's saw the numbers. Jim, we'll see you tonight. Oh, man, I can't wait. All fired up. Just get me that another one. I want another one. You can't get two. I had Moderna. On your I birthday, right? February 10 at 12 o'clock. I finish. And then 15 days later, look out. I'm going to a bar. I got to find one. <laughs> got to find one. It's going to be the 1920s here. I'm having a Corona. Not the 2020s. Yeah. No. Try January. Uh, We'll see you at 6. Mad Money, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.